We love you so much, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. Well, like I said, things are going to be a little bit different this morning. Um, as you can tell, the worship team is standing up behind me, and I haven't gotten off the stage, but I'm going to get off soon, so if you like, I don't want to see that guy anymore. It's good. I'm not going to be here for long. Um, and I was, I was actually thinking about how, how I wanted to start um, this morning, and, um, you know, since it's still technically the holiday season, I thought it'd be appropriate for me to start off this morning by telling you guys that you're going to be visited by three ghosts. You're going to be visited by the ghost of this year past. You're going to be visited by the ghost of this year present. You're going to be visited by the ghost of next year future. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay. <laughs> um, but I, um, I'm honored to get to start us this morning just kind of helping us to reflect on this year that has gone past. Um, 2018 is tomorrow for those of you guys who were totally unaware. And so if you have stuff going on in 2018, it's probably time to get ready for that. Um, but as we, as we look back on 2017, um, my, my goal this morning is hopefully that you can look back and we can kind of take stock of here's, here's everything that happened and here's what we want to do with it. Um, just for those of you who were wondering, um, 2017 has been kind of a crazy year. Here's just three or four different notable events that have happened. Um, the very beginning of the year, we had the presidential inauguration, which was a huge, huge deal this year. Um, because of how divisive it was. Uh, the total eclipse happened this year, um, which was amazing if you didn't get to go see it. It was really, really cool. Um, there were a couple of really tragic shootings, both in Las Vegas and in Texas, um, which I know we felt, even the ripples here. And again, those are just kind of the really big events. That, that doesn't even take into all the individual things that have happened in all of our lives. So as, as the new year rolls around, um, I always find it's very helpful to take stock of the year that has gone past. And so I, um, about three years back, I, I got this little piece of paper um, after I went through a spiritual formation um, seminar, and it it's really a daily examine, and it's like, you know, here's how you take stock of everything that happened in your day, but I've kind of shifted a little bit to a yearly um examine and just to kind of help us take a look back on this year. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through each of these three questions. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to just kind of reflect, pray through it, um, and just think about this certain question in aspect to your life this year. Um, and you can use this time however you want. You can, again, you can pray, you can just sit and think, you can journal, you can write. I, I really don't care how you use this time. Um, but this is, this is meant to be a, a reflection time for you. So the first question that I, I want us to take time and reflect on is, what was life giving for you this year? What, what were some things that really just gave you life, that really got your blood pumping, that really, you know, you're like, yeah, that was, that was something that really just gave me life this year. So go ahead, take, take about 30, 30, 45 seconds or so and reflect on that.
hopefully, hopefully that was a fairly easy category for you and you're able to say, yeah, you know, I had a lot of things that were life-giving for me this year. Um, the next question is, what, what was life draining for you this year? What, what were some things that really just sucked the energy out of you from this year? Go ahead and take, take some time and reflect on that. It's, it's not always fun to look back on the things that were really hard on us this last year, um, especially the things that were life-draining that really just took the energy out of us. But, you know, it's, it's part of your life. It's part of your journey, and I think it's important to acknowledge those. So the, the last question that I want to ask from you, just as reflection goes this morning, is how did you see God's grace this year? What were some, what were some ways that God's grace was really prevalent that it was really you know just whoa this year um go ahead take some time reflect on that Hopefully, hopefully you got to see God's grace this year in some pretty amazing ways. I know this was definitely a big year for me, especially concerning God's grace. Um, so it's been cool. But I, I, in my in my own head and in the way I, that I think about things, I, I go through a reflection like that, and I'm like, that's awesome. I just reflected. I have all this information, and then I'm like, well, what do I do with it? Um, I, I want to read us just a, a quick passage of scripture. Uh, it's Philippians 3, 7 through 14. We're not going to have it up on the screen because I'm running words today, so the next two we'll have, but you won't have this one. Um, but if you want to turn there, that's where we're going. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14 says this. It says, but whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes, ah, sorry, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I, I, I love this passage of scripture because the first seven verses in this chapter, um, Paul's listing his accomplishments. He's like, if anybody has reason to boast, it's me. Like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And then he says, but all of that's just garbage for the knowledge of knowing Christ. And here's what's very interesting, because Paul is, you know, he's saying I have all these different things, and he's saying I've lost all these different things for the knowledge of Christ. But he's even saying, like, I haven't even yet obtained that knowledge that I want so much. It's like, I know Christ. I really, really do know him. And I think a lot of us can say, yeah, Paul definitely knew Christ. But he's saying I'm not there yet. I'm still running this journey. I'm still going on through that. And what's very interesting is in verse 13, the second half of the verse, Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And I, I find this very interesting because, you know, the question that immediately comes to my mind with all of this is, is Paul asking us to forget the past? In a sense, yes. But I think in another sense, not really. I don't think Paul's asking us to just say completely and totally forget everything that's happened in your past. Because if he was saying that, then he wouldn't have said, you know, here's my entire past and here's why it's garbage. But what I think Paul is really asking us here is he's saying to keep your mind out of the past. Remember what happened this last year. Whether it was a really good year, whether it was a really bad year, remember it. Reflect on it. Have that knowledge. But don't live there. Because guess what? It's over. It's done. And we have a much, much greater goal to press on to and to continue to fix our eyes upon. And that is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So... Kind of in closing, um, and we're going to be asking testimonies from people just kind of throughout the service. Is there anybody that is willing or, you know, is God's really just speaking to your heart right now? Is there somebody that's willing to kind of just share a testimony maybe from the year 2017? Is there anybody in here that's like that? So we got one. We're going to do like two or three, so if you have one. Well, hopefully taking time to reflect upon 2017, you, you were able to see God's grace um, acting inside of your own life. And my, my hope and my prayer, oh, we do have one. Jackson. One testimony from 2017. All right, we'll see how good I can do this without crying. Uh, I'm already starting. This isn't mine, it's Keith's. <laughs> this year was a huge year for us because he made the decision to stop farming. This man has been farming his entire life, and this year we made that decision. And before he left to go to Illinois for a harvest, the school had said, We don't like it when you leave. Who's here to take care of us? Who's going to be our security when you leave. We don't like that. We don't want you to do it anymore. And he's like, well, you know, <laughs> I kind of got to make money. So 
before he left, they said, well, when you come back, we're going to have a package for you to look at. And we talked about it before he left, and it was like, okay, this might be doable. We could, you know, maybe. And he got to Illinois to farm. His first day, his first hour of combining, the combine broke. Now, I don't know about you guys, but to me, that's kind of God hitting us over the head with a two-by-four. <laughs> and it was, the combine's old, and it was going to cost more to fix it than what it was worth. And we talked about it, and he said, you know what? I think that's God telling us that it's time. And so he did. He got someone else to do the rest of the combining, and that gentleman is now going to take uh, and rent the ground and rent from us as a, as a landowner. Keith will be the landowner. He will be the farmer. And the school gave him a package that we can work with. And so that was huge this year. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I have to say, like, most of the time you, you hear the Spirit speak in the small, still voice. For me, it's usually over a longer period of time because I'm really thick-headed. Um, but I, I love those moments. I love getting to hear about those moments where God's just like, and it's time for you to understand something. <laughs> One more. Hello, I'm, I'm Cal. Um, just this year overall was a very, very hard year for me, but one thing that happened fairly recently that I just, you know, it had to have been God was um, earlier in the year I had a friend shoot and kill himself, a very close friend from high school. And I had no idea how to get in contact with his family or how to get to the funeral, anything like that. So I missed it. And just a few weeks ago when I was at work one day, out of nowhere, I get a text from his mom saying, I'm glad I found your number and you know, my son really valued your friendship, and I feel like that was Ryan. His name was Ryan. I feel like that was God and Ryan reaching out to me saying, hey, Ryan's okay. So that was that mm. was a very spiritual moment for me, was receiving that message from his mother. So 2017 was hard. I hope 2018 will be better. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, well, again, just kind of in closing, um, it's good to reflect on your year past, whether it was a good year, whether it was a really hard year. Um, it's good to reflect on that, but again, as Paul reminds us, you know, keep, keep your eyes fixed upon Christ. Um, again, not necessarily completely and totally forgetting everything that's behind, but keep your mind out of it. Keep your mind in the present where it's supposed to be. Um, I'd like to invite our ushers forward right now. We're, we're going to take offering really quick. Um, and I, I just, I'd like to say just a quick prayer over us as well as these guys are coming up. So if you guys would pray with me quick. Jesus, I thank you again just for the opportunity to be in your presence. And I thank you for the words of Paul, the reminder to acknowledge the past, to understand that it's there, but ultimately to learn to move on from it. Lord, I thank you for 
constantly being present in the hard times, in the good times, in the year 2016, 2017, and looking forward even to 2018. Lord, I thank you just for a chance to take stock, to sit back, to reflect on the year that was. Lord, I thank you for the many ways that you blessed us this year. It's, it's been a crazy ride, but all we can really do is say thank you. And as we, as we prepare to give our tithes and our offerings as a form of worship, we, we just want to say thank you. Here's, here's what we have to give back. So Lord, use our offering today. Use it to build your kingdom, accomplishes, accomplish your purposes with it. And thank you for the chance to serve you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.
Howdy. Good morning. Come on. I made it up the stage a lot better this time than uh, a week ago, Christmas Eve service. You would know if you were here. I basically crowd surfed onto the stage. Um, but I made it. Good to be with you today. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Scott Green. I'm the new-ish youth guy here, and I've been appointed to talk on the present. And basically unpacking what does it mean to be a follower of God in the present? What does that look like as we're kind of passing through this, as Michael said, ghost of past, present, and future? Um, So what does that look like? And one thing that really kept coming back to me was the word trust, Um, the process of choosing to trust God in the present. I feel that trust is something where it's kind of an intersection of hope and faith, but it's not really either one of those. Um, And in a certain way, trust is something we can choose to do in the present more so than we can hope or faith, have faith. Because then in a crisis, when something arises in the present, we don't have time to stake our faith in God. It's either there or it isn't. We don't have time to conjure up hope. Romans 5.5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Paul, writing to the Romans, is kind of saying this is a, hope is kind of a currency built up over time. It's not something we just choose in the moment, but we can choose to trust God in the present. Um, I know trusting God can seem like a vague blanket statement, but it can also be as specific as when the car breaks down or the payments aren't getting made or that relationship is hanging by a thread. We're going to choose to trust God in those moments. Trust doesn't take away the hard times Initially, it can make them harder because we are putting our trust in something that is in ourselves. Trust initially can be harder when we're trusting God, but it's setting up something way better, way more perfect when we trust God in the present. Trust is easy because it takes us out of the driver's seat. It puts our lives and our directions in the way of God's will, his path for our lives. And we hopefully find that awareness later, maybe in the future, of how perfect that will was when we put our trust in God in the present. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. How easy is that to do, really? Just looking at verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When was the last time we did that, truly? When was the last time you put aside your own understanding, your own preconceptions, your own resources, your own comforts, and truly trusted in God going forward? Because trust is like surrender. Because we're choosing to surrender our thoughts, our path, our will, our own understanding to God's, which we should know is perfect, but it's easier said than done, right? For example, we might know that person who's down, 
we're going through something, and we know we should go to them and talk to them, but our own understanding might say, I'm just going to screw it up. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm not going to say the right thing, so I'm going to not do that, what I feel called to do. That's leaning on our own understanding. Trust God. He will give you the words to say, the power, the courage to do what is right in those moments, in the present. Um, I guess this is a little bit of my own testimonial here, but my brother's name is Spencer Green. He passed away in 2007. It's a long battle with cancer. Um, he wrote songs during, he always wrote songs, but he wrote songs during that, that battle. And I was lucky enough to be able to go around and play drums with him in a period of remission when the, the cancer was not showing up in his body. And he would write these songs about what God was showing him and what he was learning and the struggles and the things he didn't know in the time of this pain, the circumstance, the present pain, the present issues. Um, and he wrote a song, one of the, actually the last song he wrote, I know the last song he recorded, was a song called I Trust. Um, and I'd like you to read, the, read you the lyrics, but it's basically this concept of, I know where my faith rests, I have a certain hope, but I'm going to trust that God's path is better than what I might be thinking, my own conceptions, my own um, understanding. This is the lyrics that he wrote. <clears throat> this hope that sometimes I don't feel. This hope that sometimes I don't see. I trust will carry me. This hope that I don't see. This love that I could never earn. This love that I just don't deserve. I trust will carry me. This love that I can't earn. This grace that somehow kept me here. I trust will carry me. This grace that's kept me here, I trust will carry me. He had a hope that his body would be healed. But he had a greater hope. He had a trust that God's plan was better than that. And he staked his trust in that. And, and that was in his present condition, his present pain, his present circumstances. And I, I don't know if you guys are resolution makers or not for 2018, but... I can't imagine how much more radically different this next year will be if we chose to trust God in the present condition, the present circumstances, the present bad stuff that goes on in our life, and choose to trust him through all of that. Um, he will lead us to something way greater than we could even possibly understand or see or think of. Um, I'd like to open it up for maybe a testimony or two of what God is doing with you in the present. What is maybe trusting God in the present done for you or shown you? Um, or what it, what's he doing with, with you right now in the present? Testimony or two, possibly. We got one over here. This looks it. Cindy, I've been working as a nurse for 43 years and seven months, and I quit on Friday to retire. So my present is, oh, my goodness, <laughs> 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 I, 
what do I do now? Because <laughs> when you've done something for that long, it's just like, oh my. <laughs> it's a little scary, to be honest with you, because it's nice not having to get up and go to work every day, but still. So I'm trusting God to show me what his will is for me. Um, I'm going to volunteer here at church. I'm going to volunteer back where I worked, and hopefully I'm going to spend time outside and uh, time with a new special friend. That's awesome. Trusting God with a new normal. That's great. Anyone else? In the present, he's trusting God with that one in the back. Bernie, and um, you know, throughout my journey, it seems like I can get a very clear no from the Holy Spirit. You know, when I'm when I'm wanting to know God's will, it seems like uh, the more mature I get and the way I've learned from from past mistakes, that when He tells me no, I really I hear it. And I'm grateful for it. But on the flip side of that, <laughs> it's not as obvious when he's telling me yes. And so there's oftentimes lots of confusion. Is it, is it my manipulation to, to make it seem like he's telling me yes? Or is it truly him saying, this is my will? The, you know, the answer is yes. Um, <coughs> but... The long and the short of it is I'm taking on a big business endeavor, um, effective tomorrow, and there's been lots of contemplation going back and forth for several months, and I finally feel at peace with it. Um, I wrestled with it for many months, and I wasn't hearing no from God, but I wasn't hearing a sound yes, and... All of a sudden, a couple of months ago, there was a peace. And so that peace is, is God's yes. And, um, you know, without the Holy Spirit's direction, my life would be a mess. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. That's good. If there's anyone else, anyone else has anything else? We got one up here. This year has been a real journey for my husband and I. Um, it started in November 16th when my husband and I were talking about um, his desire to move to Colorado. And it was really hard for me because I was 100% no. <laughs> and my mother and my sister, you know, they live on the East Coast, so it was really hard for them. But I felt like I really needed to see what did God want, you know. It wasn't like what I want. I was 100% no. My husband was, let's go. <laughs> but after really praying and seeking the Lord and hearing that small, still voice, and as it, you said, having that peace, God totally changed my heart. But it was really hard because of the persecution that I believe I was getting from my family who are on the East Coast. <laughs> 
Um, but it was a test of my faith and my trust in God and wanting God's path, you know, wanting God to lead and direct our lives because God is first. But it was hard, but through it all this past year, we know we're where God wants us, and we know it was worth it. I'm still praying for my mom in that area. <laughs> but it really made my faith in God grow, and it's been a great journey. So I praise the Lord for that. We have one more here. Hi, my name is Ashley. Um, I'm at college right now, um, and so it's probably the busiest time of my life. And um, because I'm so busy, I make my own schedules, I make my own plans, and I definitely tell God a lot, hey, I'm too busy to do this. I don't got time for this. Um, and he's been working um, big on me and trust this semester. You need to follow my plans. I have stuff I want you to do regardless of what you want to do. And so earlier this semester, I gave my testimony at one of my um, churches out in Grand Junction. And I had a girl come up and tell me she resonated with my testimony. She also had had a hard childhood, um, and she was struggling, and she wanted to believe in God. And so she's like, do you have time to meet with me? And in my head, I go, no, no, I don't. But in my heart, I know that it's exactly he led her to me. So I said yes, and we started meeting once a week, and I shared the gospel with her, and she came to Christ. And we now meet once a week. Um, I disciple her, and I counsel her through her um, baggage, and um, we are continuing on to next semester, and she has started to disciple her roommate, and yeah. it's incredible what you do if you don't lean on yourself, and when God puts something in front of you, you just say to him, you know, I'm going to show up and um, be there to do what you called me to do, so I just encourage others to do that. Thank you. That's great. Well, part of that is making space for God, for sure. Transition into a couple more songs here. Let me just say a quick word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these stories that encourage us to trust you in the present, to seek you in the day-to-day, -day, the stuff that happens that aren't that isn't planned, with our schedules, with whatever it is we have on our agenda. Let us not lead on our lean on our own understanding, but to trust in you. We love you, Lord.
So Jesus, you 
Jesus, we call on your name today. You are worthy of our praise, all glory, all honor goes to you. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that you and you alone are Christ the Lord. And we join in with all of heaven and all of earth that is crying out your name today. And our praise, our worship, they are not empty words that fall flat onto the floor today, but they are raised up to you from the, from the core of who we are, from the bottoms of our hearts. We cry out to you. You are creator, you are sustainer, you are redeemer, you are vindicator, you are advocate, you are our all in all. And we declare today that at the name of Jesus, the schemes of the enemy are broken at the foot of your cross today, Jesus. We honor you today for victory. Victory that we have experienced, victory that we're experiencing now, and even victory that is coming. And it is all because of you. Because you, Messiah, have come. Because you loved us so much, you stretched your arms out on a cross over 2,000 years ago and you took the nails in your hands and your feet and the spear in your side and the thorns crushed into your skull. You took the lashings onto your back. You took all of that because you loved us so much. You became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we honor you today. We praise you today. We thank you today. It's all about you. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you today. Thank you for what you have done, what you're doing now, and what you're going to do. And it's in Christ's mighty name we all pray and everybody said, amen. As you guys can go ahead and head on down and have a seat. You don't need to have the rear view anymore. As was said earlier, I had a birthday yesterday. I turned 40 years old. 46, yes it is. And um, I was opening up the gifts from the family, and I pulled out this large Bronco seating cushion, and this paper flopped out of the bag, and I picked it up and realized that I was looking at four tickets to today's game. Yeah, well, my, my, my response was, I, you know, normally, I would be exuberant and, and elated, especially when it's the last game of the season, and because usually they're meaningful. <laughs> and I had this inner turmoil at that moment. 
knowing that my wife was so excited to give me this awesome gift that normally I get really excited about. And I was like, man, if they'd only been better this year. If they could just run a couple more games. Almost, almost as if I was thinking, what is the point? You ever felt that way about your New Year's resolutions? Where you, you, you after you've done 10, 20, 30, 40 years worth of resolutions, you kind of get to a place where you're like, what's the point? I know I'm going to fail on this by mid-January. I know it's not going to. It's, it, it's not going to work out because it didn't work out the year before it. It didn't year, work out the year before that. It didn't work out 10 years ago. We almost get to a point, don't we, where, where we start asking ourselves that question, what, what's, what's the point? As I'm in the middle of that quandary yesterday, really trying to be excited about going to the game today, knowing that really the game is meaningless, he taps me on the shoulder and he's like, Brian, you get to spend the afternoon with your boys and with your father-in-law. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really cool. But the thing is, the team is lousy, and the Chiefs have already won the division. They're probably not even going to play their starters. I mean, it's, it's really an absolutely meaningless game. You get to spend the afternoon with your boys and your father-in-law. You get to go have fun. Maybe what's happening on the field is meaningless, but what's happening in the seats right next to you can really matter. Sometimes... We need to really check our perspectives. Sometimes we get so caught up with what's happening on the field or the circumstances that we're focused on that it ruins our real perspective. What should be a healthy perspective. I want us to look at John chapter 1 today. Gospel of John chapter 1. The story that we're going to read through is probably one that you've read through who knows how many times. But there's something that happens in here. There's something that is said in here. There's a, a perspective that takes place in this story that it's likely you've missed. Because it just happens under the radar, really. I want to start the reading at, at, at verse 29. Gospel of John, chapter 1, right at verse 29. It says this. The next day, John, and this is John the Baptist, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 
Now, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one, God's Messiah. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now let's pause there for a moment. Look, if... If, if I had a, an experience where Jesus asked me, what do you want, I, I, I'd probably go into Santa Claus mode, right? I mean, would, wouldn't we probably do that? We, we, we get our list of things out that we have really been hoping for, really been wanting. If I could really use a new car to get... My commute to, to work is so long, you know. In case you didn't know, I live right next door. Um, you know, I, I, I could use a new car, Jesus. I, or or we, we, might even, we might even go into real noble mode. You know, really, Jesus just want world peace. Really like for terrorism to end. I'd like for racism to come to an end. I mean, we, we could go into really noble places. We could have really legitimate things that would be really good for us, really good for the people around us, really good for the world that we might ask him. I mean, if Jesus were to turn around and say to you, what do you want? That's a, that's a wide open question, right? Imagine the possibilities. Imagine the answers that might begin to surface for you. Normal answer in this moment would be, because, like, you, you know, the, the John's disciples, and, and I don't know if you realize that John the Baptist had disciples, but clearly John the Baptist had disciples, and one of them was Andrew. And we understand who Andrew is, right? Andrew becomes one of the 12 apostles, right? Okay, this is, this is who we're talking about here. Andrew is one of John's disciples. And as soon as John, this two days in a row, second day he says, there he goes, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Andrew jumps up and he begins to follow him. And I don't know if that was offensive to John or not. Probably not because all that John was about was pointing to Jesus. So it was... I think it would have been perfectly thing, perfectly great thing. John would have said, yes, go, follow him. That's, that's who this is all about. Go follow him. 
Andrew starts following him. Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? I, I, you would think the normal response here would be, Jesus, come over here, sit down with us. Come over here, Jesus, hang out with us. Isn't this not our normal way of communicating with Jesus? Dear Jesus, be with us today. Right? I mean, that's what we say. Jesus, thank you for being with us today. Jesus, be with us today. Jesus, be with me today. This, this, is, this is our norm. This is our normal. I'm not here to say today that that is wrong or incorrect. But I'm pointing something out quite interesting because look what Andrew's response is. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Wow. That's really different. That's a really unique perspective. Jesus, where are, where are you going? Because that's where I want to be. Jesus, where are you at today? Because that's, that's where I want to be. Jesus, what are you up to? Can I participate? Jesus, where are you staying? And he says, well, come along and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And so he brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. Now you will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. What a perspective. What a response. What, 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 a, what a philosophy that, that Andrew chose that day. Instead of trying to keep Jesus right there with them in that circle, in that group, instead he says, I'm just, I just want to track with you today. Where are you headed? Where, where are you staying? Where, where are you going? And he was invited right along with him. I want you to know, I, I'm not here to give you a bunch of self-help guru tips to help make 2018 better. I'm not going to do that. That's really not what I'm about anyways. But it does make sense for us to, as, as we look to tomorrow and on into the next 364 or five days, What do we want to be different? What, what are you hoping will be different? Proverbs tells us that we make our plans, but God orders our steps, right? So we understand that there is a tension, a 
an interesting reality that exists between our free will and God's sovereignty. That there's some kind of tug of war that, that, that can exist there. So does that mean then that we shouldn't make plans? Does that mean that we shouldn't lay out an agenda? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it should be that extreme. But I'm wondering if the takeaway for us today could be Andrew's perspective. I'm wondering if we might decide today that starting tomorrow, we might begin each day asking the question, Jesus, where are you staying today? Think a moment what that might mean for you if you were to do that. Now, it doesn't mean that the student stops going to school because Jesus is at church. So don't, don't take it that way. The student still goes to school. The employee still goes to work. The retired person still gets to do whatever they want to do that day, theoretically. But if you begin the day by asking the question, Jesus, where are you staying today? Jesus, where are you going to be today? There is a perspective shift that should take place in you. It gives you awareness. It gives you Jesus goggles that you're going to wear for the day so that when you go to school, you might see Jesus in a student that is really struggling that day, as Ashley kind of mentioned. It gives you Jesus goggles to see that employee, that coworker, that things have really gone bad in life. And you just sense that something's going on. And they're not inviting you into a conversation necessarily, but you just, you just see that Jesus is there. And you just go and you give them a hug. And you tell them how much they mean to you, how much you appreciate working alongside of them. See, that, that, it's a perspective shift. And I think that if we were to take that on, if we were to choose to do that, starting tomorrow, Jesus, where are you today? I, I suspect that our own life circumstances really the perspective on them might really start to become more healthy. We might, we might even find ourselves moving out of the what's the point of even trying. What's the point of even going there? Because the circumstances seem so deflated, so bad, so meaningless, like a Bronco game today. And yet the Jesus goggles pull back, and you see your boys, and you see your father-in-law, and you realize that that time spent is not meaningless, not wasted. It's, it's got purpose to it. it who, knows, who knows what kind of trajectory will come from that? And isn't that what this is about, trajectory? I mean... We're moving into a, a new year, according to the calendar. The reality is tomorrow is just another day. But there is 
a fresh start, right, that we get. There is this sense of, wow, I can, tomorrow can be different than yesterday. 2018 can be different than 2017. I realize that some of us in here, 2017 was the, the best year ever. So I'm not assuming that we're all in doomsday mode here. We're not. But there are some that 2017 is a year to forget. Or 2017 has been so bad that it seems like 2018 is just going to be horrendous. Because the circumstances on the field just seem like they're not going to get any better anytime soon. And yet Andrew shows up on the scene and he's like, hey, Jesus, how about I go with you today? Maybe, maybe that's the best New Year's resolution we can make. Just that simple daily statement. Show me where you are today. Because if we choose to do that, we move from meaningless to missional. Just like that, don't we? Suddenly, whatever we're doing, whether it's the daily grind at work, the hardest class at school, or we're learning how to knit because we're suddenly retired. <laughs> if we're looking for Jesus, if we're in the business of trying, having these Jesus goggles on, I, suddenly things become missional. I think that that can really change the perspective of, of whatever's happening in life circumstances before us. Jesus, we once again declare our need for you. And once again, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we thank you for this story, this this interesting dialogue, this, this connection that is made between you and Andrew, which certainly the trajectory that goes from this com conversation is he, he wins his brother into your circle and the two of them become first-generation apostles that, that go out and share the gospel. And here we are over 2,000 years later experiencing the fruit of their ministry and it kind of all comes back to this one moment where Andrew decides to stand up from where he was and simply follow you. And when you ask him what does he want, he, he doesn't go to his Christmas list. He doesn't even do the normal where he says, be with me today. He's, <laughs> instead, he turns it around and he says, can I be with you today? Where are you staying? Where are you going to be? And you're like, come along and see. So we prayerfully consider making that kind of declaration for our lives starting tomorrow.
making the choice, we prayerfully consider making the choice to invite ourselves into your journey starting tomorrow. That we would see that we would see you in our workplaces, in our school classrooms, in our neighborhoods. That we would even open up our own eyes to see you in our own homes. That if we if we made the choice to simply say, Jesus, where are you today, that you're going to surprise us and you're going to give us these God moments, these moments where we suddenly are encouraging someone, lifting someone up, praying with somebody, maybe even leading them to you, bringing someone, a hopeless person, bringing them hope. But that's what happens when we move into your agenda. So yes, we have our, our normal plans in place. But they're submitted to your sovereignty. Even as we've heard testimony today of changes that are, that are happening in, in people's lives. Our agendas are, are submitted to you, and, and they're yours to adjust, change, however it is that you need or want to. That is what the surrendered life looks like and feels like. I think in simplified form, we just want to see you. We want to choose to look for you. And that's a choice that we will have to make each and every day. And I thank you, Jesus, in advance for the fruit of that. Because I know that that's going to set a trajectory. It's going to set a trajectory for the individuals in this room that choose to do that, it's going to set a trajectory for this church. It's going to set a trajectory for your kingdom that's going to be happening in our community. Because we're going to have more than a handful, more than a dozen. We're going to have dozens of people choosing daily to be about your agenda, looking for you. What an amazing year 2018 can be and will be because of that. So we prayerfully consider making that choice starting tomorrow. And it's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. Waiting here for you With our hands lifted
May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. May you be impacted by him with this new trajectory. Happy New Year. See you next year. God bless.